0: I'm a straight white Christian cisgender male in America. It's easy for me to identify with the good guy. As a matter of fact, I like thinking of myself as a good guy. I am a good guy. I hope you all are too. I like to think of myself as a good guy, but I'm not. I'm not. I support systemic racism. I do that through housing and schooling. When we first moved to this area, you look up, where do you want to buy a house? And what does that mean for the kids? Where do they go to school? And you look at the school ratings, and it just so happens that the more you pay for the house, the better your school is going to be. So you've got to do that balancing act. Yeah, it, everybody takes care of their children, so you do the best you can for them. You got a simple choice to make. Do you put a little more in your house and pay your tuition via your mortgage? Or do you send them to private school and live in a different place? And of course, most people make the choice to pay tuition to themselves through their mortgage. But that only works for those who can do it. And when I look at my kids' school, It's awesome. It's a great school. They have a powerful PTO, huge fundraisers, enough computers and tablets and field trips, greatest playground equipment all the time. They got it made. Also, they're surrounded by all the nice houses. And when I go into town, in the older part of town, same school district, The school doesn't look as nice. The playground is not kept up. The building is not kept up. The kids don't have enough computers. The teachers are not as motivated. And the parents organization never has any money. No field trips, no nothing. Same town, same school district. It's just that our neighborhood is better. And it just so happens that our school is almost exclusively white. Whereas the poor school in the poor neighborhood, you won't find any white kids at all. And I support that because I take care of my children. I want them to have a good chance in life. And you do that two, three, four generations in a row, and that keeps people just where they're at. No movement. I support that my actions. And when I go about my daily life, I never have to think about how cops look at me. I was raised to believe, and I do still to this very day, that cops present safety and security. They're the good guys, I'm the good guy. But then that's only true for my particular demographic. You've seen the video. You've heard it a hundred times. It's been a month. George Floyd on the ground, one officer kneeling on the back of his neck, another on his lower back, a third one pushing down his legs, and there's that fourth cop just standing by looking at the scene. And just as with the story of Abraham, who do you identify with? Who do you identify with in that picture that you've seen a hundred times now. And the cry from our biblical texts is you identify with the crucified one. Jesus is the one that dies on the cross, not the soldier that holds the spear and pokes him through his side. Crucified one. Or it's probably more like me. Maybe I'm more that fourth cop, that scared bystander. And the Bible knows them, too. They're called Peter. Peter was too scared that he might be arrested as well, along with Jesus, and maybe crucified himself. So he denies Jesus three times. I don't know that guy. I don't know that guy. I don't know that guy in the cock crow's twice. Maybe I'm that guy. You've heard this story. It's called the the test for Abraham to see how faithful Abraham is, would he actually go through and bring his son to the sacrificial place there? And one version of the text we heard today says, yeah, Abraham passes that test, God is pleased, all is well. But then there's also that other side, the Jewish perspective on that story, where the actual test is on Isaac. What happens in a young man's brain that he allows himself to be bound up, Put on a pile of wood and trust that that's going to turn out all right. Why would he let that happen to himself? That's a big test of faith. Would you let yourself be tied up and put on a stake to be burned? So let's walk through that story again. We have Abraham where God says, hey, take your only son and go kill him. And you have that only son, Isaac, who comes along and plays along, and basically to the very end. He asks once, but then his resistance is gone. And they take the donkey and the wood and the knife and everything and have a few days of a trip. They have two young men with them, servants to support their trip. So here we are with that scene, they arrive at the place abraham tells the two young servants to stay behind me and my son were going to go worship and Isaac lets himself be bound and Abraham raises that knife who do you identify with? who would you rather be? well the story is the same right with a the bound-up one, the victim. You don't identify with the father ready to kill his own child. Who would do that? Or maybe. Or maybe we identify with the bystanders again. Because you do have those two young men who don't care enough to challenge that system of violence. It's hard to find yourself in those two. I don't want to belong anywhere in there. And this one has a nice plot twist. Because that's not where the story ends with the knife raised and we don't know what happens. That's how the story used to be. Actually, in the very original source of the story, the knife probably went down and killed the son. You know human, human sacrifice is an old religious tradition. Every tribe and every culture has had it in the ancient days. Human sacrifice is a religious practice. And that's probably one of those ancient stories that we hear here, where a god demanded a human sacrifice, and it was brought up on that altar with a knife and the fire. But then the Bible evolved, right? So younger sources of that story come in. We have a plot twist here, and the plot twist comes through an angel. It's a whole different story that shows up here. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Plot twist. Everything turns around from that moment. The natural progress of things changes. The angel shows up, and the word for God is turned around. So it used to be the text said always God, 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 but all of a sudden they use the four letter Lord with the capital letters and in the Hebrew version that's the name of God and that's a different source of ancient tradition. The God word Elohim is one source and when it says Lord L-O-R-D in capital letters those are actually the four letters of the Hebrew name of God. It's a different text redactions put them together here. This newer version of the story stops the killing. The angel shows up and says, no, don't kill him. Don't kill him. That's what religion does. It stops killing. That's what we need to do. And that's what we're supposed to do going forward. We're supposed to listen to angels. That again sounds very hard, right? Who does that? What does an angel look like? Golden wings and whatnot? But this angel has a clear message. Don't kill that kid. And how does that happen? We listen to God for an intervention. Let's walk through what the angel says. The angel says three things. Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. To us, in whatever decision we're about to make, that is the sign to stop. Stop what you're doing. Snap out of it. Don't just go along with what you've always done. Because Abraham has always been the good, faithful one, doing the right thing which God commanded. But here the angel says, stop. And the second thing the angel says is, For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Look to God. Again, get a perspective. Look at yourself from the God angle, 30,000 foot view. That's how you look like in the eyes of God. You're a good person. God loves you. You are okay. And then the third step, where the angels is done talking, we hear that Abraham looked around and saw a ram. All of a sudden, he didn't have to kill his son anymore. All of a sudden, there was a sacrifice that he could make. So after that reframing, he came down and looked around for a fresh perspective, refocused. There is another way. Abraham was transformed. He didn't have to do things the way he had always done them. That's what God's people are all about. Listening to angels so we can do things differently. looking at the world from a perspective of kingdom come, looking at a scene of killing from a viewpoint of divine justice, looking at our attitudes and feelings as something that needs to be challenged and tried and corrected by an angel. So when I allow the angel to look at my life, and unpack what's going on there. I have a lot of undeserved privilege. My looks and my religion, they're considered normal. When I show up, I look like a good guy, right? But that's just because I look the way I look. A couple of years ago, we went to a comedy show. Master Vani, greatest guy. You need to look him up. He's funny he's Iranian-American. So in the audience, naturally, there were a bunch of Iranian-Americans. And we're all laughing together. It was a comedy club. We had dinner at the table. So we sat across that couple, Miriam and I, and then that other couple. And we got to chat a little during the breaks. And we found out the typical things, right? We've been married so long. We've been married so long. We're Christian. We're Muslim we're from there, we're from there, we do this, we do that, we have kids, we have grandkids, all that. We got to know each other and had a pleasant evening together. But then it got weird. You know how it got weird? When we talked about religion and national identity and how we looked. Miriam and I came over in 2008. That couple... They came in the 70s during the Iranian Revolution. They have been here forever. They have been Americans forever. Yet they consider themselves less American than me. Because I look so American. Because I am what America looks like, even in their perspective. perception is weird. It was sad to see that a couple who raised their kids and grandkids here for generations think of themselves as less American than me, just because I look the way I look. Angels keep calling and reminding me, just because people like me define a majority culture, doesn't mean anything else is not normal. Angels called Abraham from killing his son, and a lot of times we are like Abraham, obediently following the prescribed path. But God is one to send angels to stir us up, to transform us, to help us reframe, to change our story from death to life. When you feel really strongly about who you are, or what you ought to believe, or what you ought to do, please follow the angel's guidance. Stop, step back, and reimagine. That's what the angel does. Stop, step back, and reimagine. Maybe you think, like I do, of yourself as a good guy or a good gal. But as we have seen, Abraham goes wrong and needs the correction of an angel. And I do. And you do. And angels are coming our way to challenge us. Thank God. Amen.